Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free. So we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season two. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing season two, episode 17, How to Make a Quilt Out of Americans. It originally aired on April 6th, 2000 and had 4.66 million viewers. So we start this episode on an exterior shot and we hear this group of women chanting and inviting a demon named Crito into their circle. And then we cut inside and then see that there are three older women standing in a circle and one of them is coughing and clearly the one that's like in charge, but they just keep chanting. And then eventually a cloud of smoke appears and He appears as like a floating head in the smoke, this demon. And he asks what they want. And the leader says, that which only you can give, youth, beauty, health. And he asks them what they can give him. And she says that they can make him whole again. But he says that he wants more, says that he wants powers, great powers. So she tells him that they can get him the power to move things with his mind, to stop time and to see into the future. And he said, do so and you'll have your youth and then disappears. They all look very shocked that this happened and the leader's like, well, I had to say something, we were losing him. And then the redhead said, you lost him already, Gail. Why would you promise him something we can't get? What if it makes him angry? And then obviously now we find out this is Gail says, I can get the powers, Helen, I have to. I'm not ready to die yet. And she starts to leave and tells them to finish the quilt by tomorrow night. All right, so we get introduced to these three new characters that we haven't seen before. Obviously, this woman, uh, Gail, seems to know something about the Charmed One's powers because she brought them up to this demon and said that she would get them for him. So I'm sure that's how we're going to get the connection there. Yeah, um, exactly. So... Basically, what I'm getting from this scene is these three older women seem to be witches. I'm not sure whether or not they have any powers themselves or if they do what they are. But, you know, obviously they know about demons and they know about witchcraft and something's going to go down with the Charmed Ones, like you said. Exactly. So then we go to the manor and it's the morning and Phoebe's in her room and she's reading and she puts on glasses And then she, like, catches a glimpse of herself in the mirror and kind of, like, scoffs and takes them off. Then Prue knocks on her door and comes in, so Phoebe, like, hides the glasses under her pillow. And Prue asks her if she made an appointment with the optometrist yet, and Phoebe says, Prue, I keep telling you I do not need glasses. And then Prue takes the book and, like, turns it around because it was upside down and is like, oh, well, then this might help. And Phoebe's like, unrelated. And then she tells her that she really needs her help. Piper's throwing out her tan boots, which apparently Phoebe thinks that's a big deal. So she gets up and they go to leave. So this is a cute little start from the sisters, a little sisterly moment there. I thought the book being upside down was like a bit cliche dramatic. Yeah, I totally agree. 
your vision's not gonna I mean maybe but I don't know like how bad does your vision have to be that you're literally looking at a book upside down I know especially like when you didn't need glasses before you just all of a sudden completely lost your vision (laughs) also like Phoebe's like issue with her glasses like she looks so cute in glasses I don't even get why she like doesn't like it she does look really cute with the glasses and I mean as we're gonna see later in the episode we're gonna kind of figure out how it kind of connects and why they threw something like that in there in this episode but yeah as of now I think it's doesn't make any sense to me I think she looks adorable with her glasses on as well yeah I also think it's one of those things where like in the 90s it was more embarrassing to have glasses than like it is today yeah now it's like everyone does do you wear glasses I have glasses but I don't wear them that much it's more for like like because my vision's not that bad it's only slightly blurry for far away things so I don't really need to wear them that much yeah because I was gonna say I've never seen you wear your glasses I don't think yeah no I I used to wear them more often but I kind of just stopped not because of like I thought it looked bad or anything I just like it's a lot to have to wear that on your face all the time especially when I don't even really need it that bad and the doctors had said so themselves so like I didn't really care that much yeah I mean, I got glasses when I was, like, 25, and I literally only wear them when I drive at night, so yeah, I don't really, like, need them that much, but I feel like I'm starting to, like, need them more and more. Like, I know eventually I'm going to actually need glasses, but I'm, like, trying to put it off because I know once you start wearing them, you'll, like, need to rely on them. Like, it's not a vanity thing for me. It's just I don't want to have to wear them all the time. It sucks too because I that that was a big thing for me I used to wear it when I was watching TV because you know the TV's further away and I couldn't see or read the subtitles or anything that well so I'd wear them but having to like lay down and have glasses pressing into your face and stuff I just didn't like it so I kind of just stopped and let myself deal with the fact that things were going to be a little blurry <laughs> but it's besides the point I guess yeah it was seen differently in the 90s But yeah, I think she looks really cute with her glasses. And this was a cute little intro moment, I think. We're about to see Piper with these boots, so. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to find out what the big deal about the boots is. Because they're both like, oh my god, like she's getting rid of the boots. Not the tan ones! Like, (laughs) (laughs) So they move down to the kitchen and they see Piper is putting her boots in a box and they walk in. Then Phoebe's like, Piper, what are you doing? Those are your favorite boots. And she's like, I know, demon blood from one of our vanquishes, and I can't get it out, and I can't exactly explain it to the shoe repair guy now, can I? It's the third damn pair this month. And Phoebe said, what's the matter, honey? And she says, nothing. Dan is waiting for her at the club, we find out. And Prue's like, are you really going to break up with him? And Piper's like, I have to. I mean, I love him, but I love Leo more. Not that I'm any closer to figuring out how that's going to work either. Sometimes being a witch sucks. And she leaves and Phoebe's like, Wicca PMS to Prue. And Prue's like, I have a feeling it's a lot more than that. And then the doorbell rings. So they go to the entryway. And the woman that we saw in the first scene, Gail from the house, is there. And Prue and Phoebe both smile and they're like, Aunt Gail. And... She's like, oh, my beautiful girls, and they all hug, 
and then this like sinister music plays and as she's hugging them she makes like this evil face it's like so so dramatic yeah it was a very over the top ending to the scene because like we already knew as the audience that like something weird was going on with gail and i feel like they just like really didn't need to put that in there like the music itself would have been fine but like the face going from like smiling to evil when she's like behind their back was so dramatic so dramatic it made me laugh when i saw that it was like it was like yeah we we get it <laughs> but obviously now we know that this gale is either their aunt or somehow related to or someone they grew up with, you know, or, or knew growing up, I would assume. Yeah, like, she's, like, family or family friend or something to that effect. Exactly. And about the the whole Boots thing, seems like that was more just, like, a intro to Piper feeling like, I have all this stress going on, I hate this demonic stuff, and being a witch is wrecking my love life, so it's just kind of showing her frustration about everything, I feel like. Yeah, it's going to lead us to the idea of Piper's issues with being a witch, which will continue to play throughout the episode. And I think it's something in her character that even though it's always been there a little bit below the surface, I think this is the first time we're seeing it outright. Like, I think there's always been little hints of that in Piper, but this is the first time she's outwardly saying, like, I don't want to be a witch. I mean, we'll get there later in the episode. Spoiler to that moment. But that's something I want to keep an eye on going forward um, because I want to see if it's something that Piper eventually grows out of or if it's a continued plot line for her. Yeah, I definitely agree because like you said, I mean, out of all of them, I'd say it makes the most sense for her character because like you said, we have gotten little hints and we will get to it later where it comes up. And um, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. So in future episodes, we'll definitely keep a close watch on Piper's views on being a witch. Yeah, definitely. So then after that, we have the theme song. Then we move back to the manor and Phoebe's looking through a cabinet and we see there are photos there. And then she finds one in a frame and it has, it's like an older photo from like the 60s probably. And there are two women there. And we find out that it's a photo of Gail and Grams when they were young. So Phoebe brings it to Gail, and she's now sitting on the couch with Prue. And she says, I remember this was taken right outside our sorority house. We just met. And Phoebe's like, oh, a couple of hotties. And Gail says, well, that was then. This is now. And Prue says, hey, now looks pretty good. And she says, believe me, the golden years are anything but. Mostly it's regret. Oh, I miss your grams. I still can't believe she's gone. You just never know when it's your time, do you? Anyway, you both sound like you're doing very well. You and Piper in your careers, and you back in school, good for you. And then she asks them about their love lives, and they're both like, nope. And then Phoebe says, I think we're just picky. We don't want to go through all the husbands that Grams went through. And Gail says, don't be too picky. You don't want to end up an old spinster like me. And then she starts coughing really bad, and Phoebe gives her some lemonade, and Gail's like, oh, it's just allergies. And then Prue asks why she's in San Francisco. And that's when Gail gets up and says that they're the reason she came. She says, do you remember the bridge clubs your Grams always hosted here every other Saturday? Did you actually see any of us playing cards? 
Phoebe says, no, Graham's always sent us outside to play. And Gail says, that's because it wasn't a bridge club. It was her coven. Your Grams was the most skillful witch any of us ever knew. And Phoebe's like, witch? And Gail's like, well, I still practice the craft myself every now and then. I don't have any real powers. Mostly I just play around with it. And Prue says, wow, you and Grams, witches? Who knew? And, you know, Gail's like, you don't have to pretend with me. Your Grams told me everything, including what you'd become when she died. The charmed ones. And then Prue and Phoebe both kind of look away. So here we find out kind of all the background about Gail and how she knows them and that she was a family friend to Graham and I guess knew everything about them being a witches. Yeah. Also, I'd just like to say, like, finding out that Graham's was in a sorority in college is, like, shocking to me. I feel like that's how people feel when they find out I was in a sorority in college because it just, like, doesn't go with her personality I feel like. yeah I think you're right I definitely couldn't see that thinking about like the grams that we've seen and heard of like yeah it does not sound like her at all yeah but you know um, it's a cute little backstory for them and then right so that's kind of interesting too this idea that they had a coven and like practiced magic together I wonder if the sisters are gonna ever have anything like that or if Maybe it was less of a big deal in Grams' time to share that information, whereas they're very secretive about it now, you know? Yeah, and it's also one of those things that I'm noticing with, like, witches who have powers versus, like, witches who don't and kind of what they can or can't do. I feel like we don't always have a clear idea of what witches who don't have powers can do. Um, Because, like, if we saw, like, a character like Marcy, who we met earlier in the season in Miss Hellfire, like she didn't have any powers, but she seemed very different than like Gail, who also doesn't have any powers, but seems to actually be able to do spells and stuff. Right, exactly. Marcy was more of like a, I guess, practitioner in the sense that she just sort of wanted to be a witch and maybe used like charms and things like that. Whereas here with Gail, she's actually able to do some sort of magic without having any magical powers. Yeah, which is interesting to me. And it's something I want to like keep thinking about as we may or may not continue to meet other people who are witches throughout the series. Yeah, definitely agree. But otherwise, you know, a lot of this just feels like background type stuff one thing I definitely took note of is that it's interesting the way like the sisters try to cover their tracks and Gail just isn't having it she's like no 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 I already know everything yeah that's so funny I mean you would think they'd be a little more like once they find out oh this woman that we grew up with knows about Grams and everything I, I don't know why they felt the need to try and hide it so hard you know yeah because like it feels like they're suspicious of her in some way and I don't really get why at this point I mean we know they have a right to be but I'm kind of wondering why they're like hiding yeah. things maybe it's just in the moment they're more shocked of the idea that like somebody outside of them knows they're very close-knit about it and secretive about it that it probably came more as a shock to them but at the same time I mean they were willing to tell Daryl Mm -hmm. and this is a woman that they grew up with that their grams like grew up with and 
you know what I mean? And obviously knows everything. So it's kind of like, I don't see why they would be so secretive as well. So yeah, I get what you're saying too. So now we are at P3 and Piper is standing behind the bar. And then we see Dan walks down the stairs um, and she tells him that he's late and he apologizes and leans over the counter to kiss her on the cheek. And then he puts down a little jewelry box with a bow and she freezes him and opens it and she's like oh god please don't be a ring please don't be a ring and she sees that it's actually earrings inside so she closes it and unfreezes him and opens it again in front of him she's like they're beautiful um thank you and she looks super sad and dan's like if you don't like it and she's like it's not that dan and he's like did you think it was a ring and she's like no of course not don't be silly um it's just that and then the phone rings and she tells him it's fine. The machine will get it. But then we hear over and it's Prue and she's like, Aunt Gail's in town. And guess what? She knows where you know what's. And then Piper walks over to the phone and picks it up. And she's like, whoa, hi, I'm not alone here. Remember? Prue's like, I thought that would get your attention. And she's like, Prue, this is a really bad time. And Prue tells her that it's important. And Piper asks how Aunt Gail even knows. But then she's like, you can tell me later and I have and says that she has to go and Prue's like look Aunt Gail needs our help she's in trouble demon trouble and Piper's like of course why not I'll just put my life on hold one more time and I'll be right there and then she hangs up and Dan's like trouble at home Piper's like when isn't there then he asks if she wants to talk on the way to her car and she's like no I don't want to do that and asks if he wants to get dinner tomorrow and he says it's a date and kisses her on the cheek again. And she leave and forgets the jewelry that he got her. And he's like looking at it and it's like a really awkward moment. Yeah. So very obviously something is wrong this entire like, like Dan's not that fucking dumb, I would hope. And I think he can tell kind of. Oh what's yeah, about he to can happen. definitely tell. And you could definitely see like in him that he's trying to like ignore all these signs but he can't yeah i mean how how do you it's very obvious what she's about to say by her attitude and kind of her reaction to these things and i mean i'm sure he's already been super suspicious as we know since leo's been back yeah definitely and you know since he's been back there's this very obvious change and it's got to be because even in their last phone call that they had last episode it was very clear that something was wrong and i feel like he was hoping he'd get home and everything would be okay again and now he's just seeing that it's not so i, I know i feel so bad i do i feel for dan too it makes me really sad i mean as much as i'm team piper and leo it still is unfortunate because kind of all the reasons that she acknowledges too just she's very she feels very guilty and it's sad because she does love him but he's not the one that she truly loves yeah exactly and I think that you know it's hard for Piper too here I mean Piper's just trying to end this relationship which isn't easy for her and then to have the interruptions when she's already struggling with the magic has to be very hard for her so I definitely understand where she's coming from and being upset and being like oh let me just put my life on hold one more time right yeah we get more of that feeling from Piper and we see it kind of start to make her more and more upset throughout this episode 
Yeah, and I think part of it stems from the fact that one, she's a witch, right? Two, she just figured out that she wants to be with Leo, wants to make things work, but now he became a white lighter again. So there's that added layer of complication. So it's like magic just keeps getting in the way of everything she wants to do at this point. Exactly. I did also want to add, haven't they only been dating for like a couple of months? Yes. Mm-hmm. And she really thought it was going to be a ring? I mean, maybe also asked her to move in after like three weeks. So I guess so. But it seems a little premature still. I mean, they really have not been together for that long. Not that you're really one to talk. (laughs) But (laughs) but I don't know. It felt a little like weird to me. And also, if that was how he was going to propose, just to put the box on the counter in front of her. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've seen from the show that Dan is a very romantic guy. Like, it definitely would have been a lot more than that if it was a proposal. Agreed. Like, it wouldn't just be, oh, I came home from vacation. Fuck it. Like, here's a ring. You know what I mean? I don't think it doesn't feel very Dan to me. It felt a little out of place that she, like, genuinely thought it was a ring. (laughs) Yeah, and it's also not the first time he's gotten her, like, random jewelry. Like, he did that in the Cupid episode as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Felt a little weird, but whatever, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. But can you imagine, like, you were going to break up with someone and they show up with an engagement ring? Oh, my God. What would you even do? I wouldn't know what to do in that moment. No. And not all of us can free time like Piper can. True. So then we go back to the manor and we're in the conservatory and the sisters are all sitting there with Gail and Prue asks if she's contacted the police yet and Gail says, and said what? That I think there's a demon running loose in our streets? They'd think I was crazy. And Prue says, still, you said that the corpses have been found dug up and skinned. I mean, what do the police think about that? And she says she doesn't know. And Phoebe says, maybe it's just some sicko grave robber. And Gail says, I may be wrong, but I think I remember seeing something in your book of shadows that, and Prue's shocked. She's like, wait, you know about that too? And Gail's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And one evening when your grams was showing it to me, I think that I remember seeing something about a skinned demon or something who made people young again. And Piper's like, young again? Well, what's so bad about that? And Phoebe says, there's has to be a catch. There's always a catch. And she's like, are you sure the book said it was skinned? And Gail says, I think so, um, but maybe we better go look. And then the sisters kind of like share this suspicious look with each other. Again, still not so sure exactly what they're so sus about. Maybe it's more of a gut feeling. But also I feel like Gail's not even playing it that well. <laughs> like, She's not. She's not a very like, like not the actress playing Gail, but like Gail is not good at like acting. Like she's clearly yeah. like letting it on that she's up to no good yeah making it sound a little or very suspicious like but um I don't know like I wouldn't be that surprised if I found out that she knew about the book too like at this point yeah because if like they were like a coven with grams right it would make sense that that's where they were getting their spells and things that they were working on from exactly so especially if grams was the one with magical powers while the rest of them were more like you know using like spells and things but not active powers exactly so 
yeah, it, it definitely shouldn't have come as too much of a shock to them. But I guess they've never really known much about that. Like, the sisters have never really seen covens before or known what that's like or known really they're still very new to being a like being witches they're kind of still figuring everything out together and to them this is probably just like a an us thing and it, oh it just comes from our family it's not like outsiders get to be involved so maybe it just threw them off because it's the first time they're kind of really introduced to something like that yeah that could definitely be but who knows yeah I do get, like, some of the suspicion, though, because, you know, the way she's talking about, like, the police not knowing anything, like, that's where, in this scene, them starting to be a little suspicious makes sense, but I think them being suspicious about her knowing about the book doesn't work for me. Them being suspicious about her story works for me. Yeah, exactly. I definitely agree. So then back at Gail's house, we cut to there and see Amanda and Helen are in the basement. Amanda is the other lady, the black haired lady. And they walk over to this like skin covered mannequin thing. And Helen's like, do you really think Gail will be able to get their powers? And Amanda's like, well, she better. And soon the skin quilt is almost done. And we see them kind of like putting together pieces onto this mannequin to build like a human body shape um, out of this skin. I am a little curious as to where they're getting skin from. <laughs> it's from the corpses they're digging up. Are they digging up corpses? Yes, that's exactly what, um, like when Gail talks about the dug up corpses, she's talking about what they're doing. <laughs> Oh my god, I thought she was just making up a story. No, no, they're digging up corpses <coughs> to make this skin quilt. Ew, that's so creepy. Like, that, I can, ew. You're just, like, cutting off flesh from dead bodies? That's insane. And when you think about it, like, they're having to find pretty new dead bodies because, like, the skin starts deteriorating when the body's yeah. older. Yeah. Oh my god, no, that's so disgusting. I can't even believe that. But yeah, this is where our title of the episode comes from. Oh yeah, How to Make a Quilt Out of Americans. Oh, that's so creepy though. Yeah. I don't know I don't know why. I guess that should have clicked for me, but for some reason it didn't. I had a little more faith in them. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, I guess uh I guess let's move on. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how much more I could say about the dead body thing other than it's disturbing as fuck. Yeah, extremely disturbing. All right. So then we're back at the manor and we're in the attic and they're all looking at the book and Phoebe finds a page on Crato, the demon of vanity. Gail says that that sounds vaguely familiar and asks what the book says. And Phoebe's like squinting while she's reading. And she says, in the 16th century, Crito traveled from dukedom to dukedom, preying on people's vanity, bestowing youth and beauty in exchange for their souls. And Prue asks why anyone would make that trade. And Gail says, believe me, I know a lot of people who'd consider it. Age, disease. Uh, that's why I'm so worried. I know so many potential victims in Santa Costa, friends. And Phoebe's like looking at the book again and Piper notices that she's squinting and calls her out for it. And Phoebe's like, no, I'm not. Uh, Crato was found out and skinned alive by a group of witches who believed it would keep his spirit from ever being resurrected again. You were right. And Prue says, 
Yeah, but those witches obviously weren't. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a vanquishing spell in the book. And they realize that the reason people are digging up the dead bodies is so that they can make him a new body out of the skin. And then Phoebe points out that the vanquishing spell is pretty easy. And Gail's like, oh goodness, you must be really powerful witches. How soon can you come to Santa Costa? And Piper asks to talk to her sisters outside for a second. So they all go. And while they're heading out, Gail starts snooping through the book. Oh boy. I don't even know. I feel like it was definitely, maybe she played it a little better here seeing that, but kind of called herself out a little bit like oh I know a lot of people who'd be interested and starts naming it off and the fact that they left her alone with the book even though they were obviously suspicious of her was like really weird to me <laughs> yeah but I feel like they're trying like because again she is a family friend they're trying not to be rude so instead of being like oh can you leave the room they're like we'll step outside for a second but like at the same time like you're leaving her alone with the book come on yeah that's a that's a bold move but here we have more of that, you know, glasses thing from Phoebe going on and then them finding out about Crito and getting the information so that they can go to Santa Costa and kind of solve this demon issue. Um, one thing that I don't, like, I've always wondered about is, like, how do they know? Like, when they find in the book about specific demons, like, like I get it when they... Like, for instance, the Wendigos. If there's ways to kill a Wendigo, that can be, multiple people can become them. But when it's, like, specifically named demons and there's, like, vanquishing potions for them, like, why are they still alive then? Like, why do people write the vanquishing spells in the book, but the demon is still alive? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um... Because sometimes, you know, it's specific to the type, not the specific demon itself. But, like, in this case, it's very specific to Kraito, right? So it does make me wonder, like, how they knew that this demon would come back and there would be a vanquishing spell for him like that. Exactly. Like, so when it's more about the type of demon, that makes sense to me. But when it's about specifically named demons, that's... Like, I don't know, it kind of throws me off a little, which is something that happens all throughout the show. And there's never really an answer. It just kind of is. But I don't know, it, it, it is weird to me. I always yeah. wonder about that. Because, like, I never questioned them, like, knowing about it, like, the specific demon, because, you know, they might have met them or heard the story or whatever. But when there was a very specific vanquish like this, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. So, I don't know, it confuses me a little. Yeah. I will also say, I mean, I totally get the, um, I'm really interested in the way that Prue in this episode doesn't seem to have concerns with kind of like youth or vanity or anything. Like she really doesn't understand why anyone would want to do this. Whereas like Phoebe, who will find out a little bit more through this episode, because the, again, the glasses thing relates to like her vanity. Um, she does understand a little bit, and Gail, of course, understands very much why people would want to do this, because, you know, she's the one doing it, but. Right, exactly. It's, like, interesting to me, and I, I'll also say, you know, like, as someone who does have, like, a chronic illness, 
I, I get it. Like, I don't think I would trade my soul to be healthy again, but like, I get the temptation of it because like the idea of like wanting to be like young and healthy forever, like it makes sense to me. Like, I get that. Like, that's the reason why like vampire supernatural stories exist is because people do dream of that kind of thing. Oh yeah. No, I definitely understand the temptation and people who would want that. It, yeah, it does, it does show to uh, Prue's confidence, I guess, a little. Mm-hmm. And more of her, yeah, her not really being too concerned with those things as much as a lot of other people could be and are. Yeah. And I think it's very easy to feel that way when you're like, you know, I think Prue's maybe 29 at this point. Like, it's easy to feel that way when you're like 29, you're healthy, you're powerful, you're beautiful, like, you have all these amazing things. So it doesn't, like, age hasn't caught up to you yet. It's very different when you're, like, you know, I'm assuming Gail's, like, 70-ish. Like, that's a very different time to feel that way. And we'll find out later what else is going on with her. Right, exactly. From, like, the coughing and stuff, we can assume she's sick. Yeah, we could tell that she's not completely healthy. So now in the hallway, Phoebe is like, Piper Gale's like, family, you love her, we all do. And Prue's like, she was like a second grams to us. And Phoebe's like, yeah, only a nice one, one that never said no. And Piper's like, I know that, but something about her story, it's just not right. And Phoebe asks what they're supposed to do, not help her. And Piper's like, no, of course not. It's just, it's never ending. I mean, we don't have we have no lives. I don't even have time to break up with Dan properly. And then it kind of cuts to the attic and we see Gail like finding the spell to separate a witch from her powers and to call a witch's power. And so she rips that out of the book and puts it in her purse. And then it cuts back to the girls talking in the hallway and proves like Santa Costa is just over the bridge. We'll leave early, go check things out and be back by tomorrow night, okay? And then that's when Gail starts coming down the stairs and Prue tells her that they'll be there at nine tomorrow. And Phoebe asks if she wants to stay at the manor. But Gail's like, no, I have to get home and feed my cats. And then she thanks them and says, you'll never know how much this means to me. And then she leaves. So here we see what Gail was doing in the book, trying to find that spell to separate them from their power so that she can give them to Crito and trick them into going to Santa Costa, which she has done, and they're going to be there tomorrow. So aside from that, we pretty much just see more of Piper's kind of struggle here and her difficulty, her being upset that she can't even do something as simple as a normal breakup without magic getting in the way. Yeah, exactly. And I'll also say they're really pushing, like, the idea with stereotypes of, like, you know, in... A couple scenes ago, Gail brought up how she's like an old spinster and stuff. And now she's like, oh, I've got to get home to feed my cats. Like, they're really just pushing this idea that like, you know, if an old lady doesn't get married, she's just going to be alone with her cats. Yeah, like an old old cat lady is all she is. It's, they really did push the stereotype here. But I feel like that's like a common thing that they do in this show. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I feel like it was, like, I didn't mention it in the scene, but it was kind of pushing that idea, like, oh, you have to find love or you're going to end up alone with your cats. Like, that's what they're saying. Yeah, it definitely, definitely came across a little like that, which is a bit 
dramatic, I think. Yeah. I mean, the sisters, even if they don't find that, they have each other, right? They're not going to end up alone with cats, I don't think. I don't think so either. I mean, Grams didn't. There's anything wrong with living alone with your cats. (laughs) No, not at all. That sounds like heaven to me. Honestly. And I mean, you're quite the cat lady. Don't you have like four cats? Yeah, we have four. (laughs) And I totally, I mean... But I think that idea has kind of, because it was a big stereotype, but now I feel like things have changed so much in such a short period of time where a lot of the things that were kind of taboo or like worrisome then is things people do on a regular basis and actually would prefer in their lives, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like there's a lot less... um, Like, being single, I feel like, isn't as frowned upon today as it was even just 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, before, I feel like it was very, um, there was a set way to go about your life. You know, you, you grow up, you go to college and find your career, find your love, have a family and live your life like that for forever, you know? Now, things are completely different, whereas people like even the idea of going to college isn't even as important as it used to be not important but you know what I mean like before it was like oh you didn't go to college you know it'll be hard for you to find a job and this and that now I feel like there are so many different career paths that you don't have to kind of be as concerned about those little things and starting a family people now it's more um highly looked upon to be independent and your be yourself so things have changed a lot in just such a short period of time even since the 90s yeah definitely um I feel like the generation that the sisters are in is kind of that first generation where like having kids older was normal and they're also like because I feel like my generation of like being in high school was kind of the end of like really really pushing college like they definitely still do but not to the point that they were doing it when I was in school and I also think that you know there's this idea that like you can have other significant relationships in your life it doesn't just need to be a romantic partnership like your friendships are important your family relationships are important all of that um, and you can je- get just as much fulfillment out of those types of things as you can out of a romantic partner. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And it's definitely not that those stereotypes or those um, ideas are gone today at all. They're just a lot less enforced, I feel like. And it's not as kind of embarrassing, not embarrassing, but I feel like people used to be like, oh, well, if I don't fall into that category, then, you know, something's wrong with me or people are going to look at me differently. And now it's not so much that way. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the pressure that like still exists either comes from like older family members or like pressure we put on ourselves. Like I feel like, because sometimes I sit there and I'm like, I'm 27, I should be married and have a child. But then like, but no one is looking at me and thinking that, you know what I mean? Like everyone I talk to, they're like, what do you mean? You have like years until you have to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And even if you never do, it's not like that means you're successful or not or um I don't know kind of basically everything that we're saying like it you definitely don't have to feel that way and nobody's judging you for it 
like maybe they would have years ago. Yeah, no, exactly. All right. So then we cut to Gail's basement and all three women are standing around the skin quilt. And again, they're chanting for Kryto to come. And we see the smoke appear and then the quilt glows and it like shifts into this like young naked man. And he takes a deep breath and looks at his hands and he's like, well done, ladies. And Amanda's like, now make us young. And Kratos like, first, the powers you promised. And Gail says, they'll be here soon. And he looks super annoyed by this. Such a baby. Give me my yeah. powers. Where are my Give powers? Me. Come on, hurry. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, that's an attractive actor. He's handsome. Yeah, I was going to say, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, definitely a good looking guy. Um, it's also like super weird that he's just like naked in front of these women. I know, like these older ladies, so awkward. But um, here we're just kind of seeing that they brought him to life again, and uh, next step is I assume getting the powers, like they said. Yeah, exactly. Um, and maybe getting him some clothes. I don't know. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> so now we are at this gas station and Piper's Jeep pulls in and we see that there are people outside and Phoebe is looking at a map and all three of the girls get out. And Piper's like, nice work, Phoebe's only a couple hours late. And Prue's like, yeah, next time I'll navigate. And Phoebe's like, it's this map, it's messed up. There's no connector road to Highway 28. And then Prue points to it on the map and Phoebe's like, oh, I didn't see that. And don't tell me I need glasses, okay? Because anybody could have missed that. And Prue's like, Phoebe, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wearing glasses. I mean, I wear them. And she's like, I know, but you're older. And then Piper starts laughing. And Phoebe's like, well, you are. And Prue looks annoyed at this. And she's like, right. Well, I really hope the demon of vanity isn't after you because your soul would be toast. And Phoebe says that she's just going to ignore that and go ask for directions. And she goes inside. Then Prue and Piper notice an old couple holding hands. And Piper thinks that it's cute. And Prue's like, that could be you and Leo in like 50 years. And she's like, me maybe, but not Leo. White ladies don't age, remember? Of course, they're not supposed to date witches either. So maybe I won't have to worry about that. And Prue's like, Piper. And she's like, I'm sorry. I know I've been a drag lately. But I've just been so confused and frustrated. I mean, nothing's changed really since Leo and I met, except that I'm two years older and still have no idea what we're doing. Sometimes I worry we're all going to end up like Aunt Gail. And then we see over by Phoebe, she's talking to two older men that are giving her directions. And she thanks them and heads back to the car. Then one of them notices glasses that are on the ground and asks if they're hers. And she, like, they obviously are hers, but she says, oh, no, those aren't mine because Prue and Piper are looking at her and she gets back in the car. The first thing I want to point out here is when Piper says, you know, I'm two years older, are you Piper? Because I don't think you've aged since season one. I'm being so serious. I'm pretty sure you've been 26 the entire show. Yeah, right? Like, it's not mathing for me. <laughs> yeah, no. Phoebe aged like three years. Piper aged zero years. Prue may or may not be aging. We don't know. Yeah, they're, they're kind of not really keeping up with that. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Weird. Um, 
you know, the continuation of the Phoebe and the glasses thing, it's working here. I think it's kind of cute. And the way she's like to Prue, she's like, well, you're older. Like, and Prue's like, okay. Yeah, definitely felt very sisterly, cute moment, funny moment. And again, more of Piper's concern about like issues with Leo and issues with Dan and just kind of her whole life and the way magic is kind of the soul not the sole reason but a big part of why things are so difficult for her yeah definitely and one thing I wasn't even thinking about until I was just considering the lines here is I mean the age issue is coming up for Piper too right because she's even pointing it out like I'm getting older Leo is I mean as we are gonna learn 18 I guess so like that's interesting I know that's really weird to think about and he doesn't look 18 at all. Like, <laughs> No, not at all. That is a 32 at least year old man. I know. He looks like a full, like, a, that's a grown man. I, I don't know. Like, I will just say the person that I have a relationship with is older than 32 and looks younger than Leo looks here. So I do not buy Leo as 18. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. It, it, it does not add up for me. But, you know, white lighters don't age, so whatever yeah is what it is and aside from that i mean they kind of have them interacting with these older people which is gonna kind of come back again later but we'll see that once we get to it yeah and it's also setting up the idea that we're already getting that like santa costa i guess is like a place where like older people go after they retire yeah So then we're at Gail's house and we're in the kitchen and we see that Gail and Amanda are making a potion from the spell that Gail stole. Then we cut outside where the Jeep pulls up. Then we're back in the kitchen and Helen walks in to tell them that the girls have arrived and Gail pours the potion into like an iced tea pitcher. Then in the living room, we see that Amanda is pouring them all more tea and Prue asks who else knows about them and Kraito and Gail says well I hope you won't be too upset I had to tell Amanda and Helen actually they were the first ones to tell me about the dug up corpses and Prue's like really and Helen says that they'll keep their secret and Piper asks what type of tea it is and Gail says it's a special blend and then tells them that maybe they should start looking for the summoner and that two corpses were found in this warehouse and that the sisters should head there to investigate. After they leave, Helen's like, Kratos said they weren't supposed to leave. And she says, I know, but they were getting suspicious. And Amanda says, are you sure you're not trying to protect them? She says, of course I'm trying to protect them. I feel bad enough about stealing their powers, but they're family, and no demon is going to hurt them. Then she walks towards the basement, and she's coughing again, and she says, we just have to keep calling for their powers until the potion takes effect. And they all head down the stairs. So, first thing I want to say, Gail's house, gorgeous. Like, this is like a mansion. No, literally, she's so fucking rich. Like, I don't know why she's upset. Like, whatever she did with her life, it turned out well. I don't care. Like, I'd be happy to be an old cat lady if I was living in that house. I know like holy crap what what does she need all that house for like (laughs) place is super nice I don't I wonder what she does honestly no literally what was her job or like you know she's an old spinster so I guess she didn't marry rich like was her family rich did she 
was she independently wealthy? Like, I want to know her backstory. Me too. I'm so curious to know. I wonder if she's like the sisters and just inherited a super nice house. (laughs) Could be. It definitely could be. But anyways, that just was kind of like, damn, I wish. But here we see that she's not an evil person like she still is their aunt gail and whatever she obviously just kind of fell into this trap or gave into this kind of desire to be young again and healthy again yeah definitely earlier in the episode i wasn't sure because i feel like the episode was trying to set her up as evil here we're seeing that yes she has some bad traits yes she's making mistakes but she's not evil she doesn't want to hurt the sisters And she does seem to feel sorry for stealing their powers, but not sorry enough to not do it. Right, exactly. I feel like to her, her her motivations are enough to, she thinks that that's all that they'll be losing out on, you know, is is their powers. When really, later we'll see that, obviously as a demon, Kryto takes advantage of this. Which I think is something that Gail wasn't really expecting. uh, Which also leads me to believe she really hasn't Uh, interacted with too many demons before I feel like obviously her not being a magical witch she just kind of heard of these things through grams and didn't realize kind of all the consequences that along with involving yourself with a demon exactly it's something that the sisters have learned time and time again there's always consequences to personal gain I think she saw the only consequence as losing her soul And when you're about to start this new healthy life all over again, it's kind of like, well, I have years until I have to worry about that. She didn't see the way that these kind of immediate consequences would come up for her, as we'll see in the next couple of scenes. Exactly. So we'll see as we continue that on and definitely be able to talk about it more. But definitely want to point out the the kind of understanding here, the way that this insecurity and fear of kind of losing your life or getting to the end um, is something that people do face and this desire like you said to be young again trade your soul why these vampire movies and supernatural things all are talked about and I'm sure even practiced by some people who are that desperate like it's a real thing it's a real fear for people and it it sucks but there's kind of nothing you can really do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, throughout times we hear stories of like people trying to do things to stop the aging process, but it's something you can't fight, right? It's something where you could try to make yourself look younger. You could try to make yourself feel younger, but at the end of the day, we all eventually are going to get old if we're lucky enough to live that long and we all are eventually going to die no matter what we do. Exactly which is definitely a scary thing to think about, a scary thing that does happen. But like you said, there's nothing we can do. It's like, eventually it's going to get us all. Exactly. So now we are at this warehouse that Gail sent them to and the Jeep pulls up and all the sisters get out and they feel a little unsure about the place. And Prue's like, are either of you thinking what I'm thinking? And Phoebe's like wild goose chase and Prue nods. And then she thinks about how Aunt Gail was in such a hurry to get them out of the house. And then all of a sudden she starts getting lightheaded and Phoebe's like, I'm kind of not feeling so well either. 
And then we have a quick flash to the women, the three women casting a spell around Crito. And then back to the sisters where they're all sitting down or leaning and kind of not feeling well. And then these little orbs float out of all three of them, which we can assume is their powers leaving their body. So, you know, here our main thing is we get the suspicion from the sisters, which we were also picking up on in the last scene when they were questioning the tea. But, you know, they kind of have figured out that something's off. They just don't know exactly what it is. And then, of course, the physical symptoms of them losing their powers. Right, exactly. So everything you just said, it kind of builds the suspicion that they have. At this point, they obviously know something is not right here, but still don't know what it is and are about to find out. Yeah. So then we go back to Gail's basement. And we see that those orbs that floated out of the sister go into Kryto. And the women let go of each other's hands, and he tries out the telekinesis power. And Gail's like, time for you to hold up your end of the bargain. So he swipes his hand over her, and we see Gail turn back into the young woman we saw in the photo. And the other two get really excited, and Gail smiles. And Amanda's like, now us, it's our turn. And he says, yes, it is. And he swipes his hand over her and she turns into a pile of dust and her clothes fall onto the floor. And then Helen looks super afraid and then he does the same thing to her. And Gail asks what he's doing. And he says, you see, I can take youth away as quickly as I can grant it. She's like, but why? And he says, it takes three witches to summon me and three to banish me. You do the math. I wanted more powers to protect myself. Then he like puts his hand on her face and he's like, now I want you to introduce me to other willing souls who want to be young again. Unless you care to end up like your friends. Beauty has its price. And she looks scared and he grabs her and like starts pushing her to walk up the stairs. So here is what we were talking about when we say when we saw the immediate consequences that Gail was not expecting when interacting with the demon. And obviously now he's going to kind of use her as his personal assistant to help get him more souls that are willing to be young again and give them give up their souls to him yeah exactly so he's gonna use the fact that you know she's familiar with the people in this community in order to meet people and get what he wants which is more souls and of course you know none of them were expecting that consequence of him killing the other two exactly so this is a little bit later on. Now, again, at Gail's house, the sisters pull up and get out of the car. And they walk to the door and into the house and realize that no one's there. And Prue's like, I have a feeling it was Gail and her friends who summoned this demon. Phoebe's like, yeah, but if that were true, then why would Aunt Gail want us to come to Santa Costa? Then they go into the kitchen and notice that there's this weird smell um, kind of coming from the basement. So they go down to the basement and they find the clothes and dust around this circle and Phoebe's like I hope that didn't happen from drinking the tea and Prue's like no that must have happened when they tried to summon Crito although I don't see Aunt Gail here that's a good sign I hope and Piper notices a rat running by in the basement and tries to freeze it but it doesn't work and so she starts freaking out and she's like I can't freeze the rat thing and Prue's like what and she's like you try move it and there's nothing happening so she's like, okay, what the hell is going on with our powers? And Phoebe's like, maybe we ought to ask Aunt Gail. And they all look around. 
so now they're kind of trying or starting to put things together obviously that they were the ones that summoned the demon and now their powers are gone and i think they can kind of put together that gail stole them yeah exactly this scene was really just here for them to figure things out to figure out that you know confirm that it was gail and her friends and then confirm that they've lost their powers and they have to go find Aunt Gail. Exactly. So then we cut to the living room and Phoebe comes in from the kitchen and says, well, they were definitely making a potion in there. Serious one too, hemlock root. And Piper says, no wonder the tea tasted funny. How did we let her do this to us? And Prue says, because we trusted her. Then Piper asks why she did it. She's like, was it just to be young again? And Prue says, maybe it wasn't just for youth. Maybe it was for health. And she holds up some papers and says, these are all doctor's bills, recent ones. Radiation treatment, chemotherapy. I don't think she had very long to live. And Phoebe says, still doesn't excuse what she did, what she did to us. I mean, you can't use magic to save yourself. And Prue says, no, not without consequences. And there's no bigger one than giving up your soul. And Phoebe still doesn't get why she stole their powers. And Prue thinks that, you know, Kryto probably wanted them. And Piper says we shouldn't have left her alone in the attic. And Phoebe says that they have the potion. If they can find the spell, they can get their powers back. And Piper says, are you kidding? We won't be able to get anywhere near him. And Phoebe says, well, he has our powers, but that doesn't necessarily mean he knows how to use them. Besides, do you have a better idea? And Piper's like, go home and call it a day. And Phoebe and Prue both laugh, but Piper looks serious. Um, and then she just follows them as they leave. Right. So like you said, it wasn't just kind of the youth thing for Aunt Gail. They realized that she was really sick and wasn't going to last much longer. And that obviously freaked her out and kind of is probably the main reason why she did this. They definitely are pissed off about why they trusted her and the fact that she did do this to them but aside from that they just kind of have to figure out how to get their powers back but Piper clearly is not about this at all like here we really see it when she's like go home and call it a day and actually means it like it's fine with her that this demon took their powers and that she doesn't want to be a part of it any longer this is Piper clearly saying, even though, you know, she's not quite making it clear that she's serious. She's saying, I don't want to be a witch anymore. Like, I'm fine with this. We lost our powers. Okay, I'm done. Exactly. She is completely over it. So now we are at this gas station and two young guys in the outfits and the convertible of the old men that they got directions from before drive off yelling like, like woo and gail and crito walk out of the station and he's like see you're not the only one gail everybody wants to be young and attractive gail says the difference is that i knew what i was giving up they don't and he says oh they will one day they're last and then an older man walks past them into the store and crito says do you know that one and she looks down and meaning obviously that she does and he's like introduce me and she's like no and he's like you're tired of being young again already and then she like kind of is like oh, and turns and walks in and he follows after her so not sure exactly why these guys are still at the gas station I mean 
that was a long time ago but yeah I was thinking the same thing like do they just hang out at the gas station all day they don't leave I guess that's the spot because they were still there but this is what I meant before about that coming back up these guys from the gas station uh Crito just turned to them young again as well yeah we also find out that he's not revealing to these other people that they're losing their soul right like Gail knows that but it's he's just making the trade without telling them what it is exactly so not really giving them any idea that there is a consequence and obviously these willing souls would do this not knowing that I mean who wouldn't you know yeah if you thought there were no consequences why wouldn't you want to be young and healthy and all of that right so here I feel like it's more showing kind of what Crito is using her for and how it's affecting starting to affect other people as well yeah and that she feels guilty about it right like gail doesn't want to hurt other people she just wanted to save herself exactly so then we're on the street and the jeep pulls up to a red light and then we see the convertible drives past but then backs up to them and uh one of the guys is like hiya toots and the other one's like ow and then they speed away and phoebe's like wait a minute and Piper's like, tell me those aren't the same guys you asked for directions. And Prue's like, okay, Kratos close, let's drive. Is that like actually how people <laughs> talked back in the day? Maybe. I feel like I feel drive like catcalling was even worse back then. So like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, me neither. I mean, to be fair, they really only know their slang from when they were, like, young back in, what, the 60s? Like, <laughs> yeah. I also feel like, I mean, it doesn't really happen to me now because I feel like it mostly happens when you're really young. But, like, when, like, old men would say weird things to me, like, when I was out places, that's how they would kind of act, so. Yeah, I, I definitely see that, too, especially working at a at a bar like I do. I definitely see that, uh, get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, Mia. One day you'll become a normal adult age and they won't do that anymore. They only do that to you when you're very, very young. Which is just even weirder, but... <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting, but whatever. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so back at the gas station, Gail and Crito are talking to the guy before and... Crito says, the only catch is you have to keep it a secret. You can't ever tell a soul. I'm sure you understand why. And this guy obviously doesn't believe him, but then he sees Gail, and Crito tells him, like, oh, this, I did it for Gail. Um, I can do it for you. And then the guy nods, and Crito restores his youth. And the guy looks at his hands and then smiles and leaves. And Crito picks up Phoebe's glasses from the shelf, thinking that they're his, and has a premonition of the sisters vanquishing him. And then he turns to Gail, and he's like, three witches, you said you took care of them, you lied to me. And then this jeep pulls into the gas station, and Gail runs out, and is like, girls, run! And they're like, Aunt Gail, and Crito uses Prue's power to throw a crowbar through the car window, but they all duck. And Piper's like, so much for him not knowing how to use our powers and he pushes Gail onto the ground and Phoebe's like I've got one power he doesn't have and she starts to move towards him but he throws her and 
he's like, nobody's sending me back again. And then Piper goes to move, but Prue says it's too dangerous. And she's like, all right, what do we know about our powers that he doesn't? And then we see Phoebe, who's hiding behind another car. And Gail comes over to her, and Phoebe's like, stay away from me. And she peeks over the car at her sister's and kind of signals Prue that she has an idea. And Prue's like, all right, Phoebe's thinking what we're thinking. And Piper's like, great, what are we thinking? And then Crito's like, you can't hide from me. And Gail says to Phoebe, I didn't want to die. I was wrong. And says, here, you'll need this. And she gives her the spell. And Phoebe puts it in her pocket and walks out from behind the car. Then Gail watches. And Prue and Piper get up too. And Prue's like, all right, we give up. And Phoebe is walking behind him. And Prue's like, no, 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 Phoebe, wait, he'll freeze us. And then he tries and they all pretend to be frozen. And he's like, oh, it's a nifty power. And he turns towards Prue and Piper. And then Phoebe kicks him from behind and starts beating the crap out of him. And he's like, good witches don't freeze. And then the sisters and Gail start running away. Sisters are able to make it down the road, but Crito throws Gail through the window of the gas station. So kind of a lot going on there, another chaotic scene. But we see that Crito um, obviously is able to use their powers and figure that out but Prue and Phoebe were smart enough to realize that you know he doesn't know little perks about it like they do and kind of trick him into trying to freeze them so that she can attack him from behind and I love the way like we're seeing the connection between the sisters growing and very specifically between Prue and Phoebe right they don't even have to talk to know that they have this plan and they know what they're going to do together Right, exactly. And I mean, even Piper, although she wasn't really sure, she still kind of like she knew to freeze right when they said that and kind of like went with the plan. Yeah. I'd also like to say it's interesting that Gail didn't freeze, right? So I guess like whatever level of which she is, even though she doesn't have specific power, she's at a level enough that the freezing power doesn't work on her. Yeah, I was thinking that too how she didn't freeze and I didn't really get that either (laughs) but I guess yeah I guess it's because Marcy froze yeah and she wasn't a magical witch but she was enough of a witch that Barbus wanted to go after her so we kind of don't really know these levels of witchcraft yet and how they work yeah I feel like last episode or two episodes ago I guess it was we were talking about the hierarchy of demons I wonder if we'll ever learn more about the hierarchy of witches and kind of how that is established and how that works or if we'll mainly just be interacting with the charmed ones and other witches that popped up their powers or lack thereof will vary each time we meet them yeah I I definitely wonder about that too and it's something that we should keep an eye on in the future I'll also say you know I enjoyed the fight scene here I thought the stunts were good and Um, I'm excited to see where things go from here. Agreed. And uh, it's nice to see that Gail kind of turned things around in the end and realized, felt guilty, and is trying to help the sisters out now here. Yeah, exactly. It's, again, showing that she still has potential to redeem herself, even though she's made some mistakes and definitely done some bad things so far. Maybe there is still a shot for her. I'll also say that Phoebe's vanity is what put Kraito onto them because he never would have had that premonition if she would have just said they were her glasses and taken them with her. Right, exactly. So then we're down the street a little bit and the sisters are hiding behind a building. 
Phoebe asks what they do about Aunt Gail, and they realize that they have to get their powers back before they can do anything, so they start going. But then Piper stops, and they're like, what's wrong? And Piper's like, I've had it. And they're like, with what? And she's like, with being a witch. And she walks past them, and they follow, and they're obviously worried about what's going on with her. Yeah, so here it kind of took over. Piper is just completely done. She's not going to, she doesn't want to keep fighting, doesn't feel the need to, even though, I, I feel like it's a weird moment for her to decide something like that. Like, I get it, you don't want your powers back, but there's still this demon who's out there hurting people and causing problems, and you're kind of just going to walk away from that. It's a little weird to me. Yeah, I totally agree. I definitely get her frustration, but to give up right then and there and try to leave is like, you know, I thought that wasn't in them, you know, like they all have that fighting desire or that desire to protect the innocent. It's just a part of who they are, which I think Piper still probably feels that. But even as we continue on throughout this and things do end up kind of working out and, you know, they end up managing to vanquish the steam in it still never feels like piper came around so we'll we'll figure that out once we get there yeah totally i definitely have more to say about that once we get to those scenes so back at the gas station gail is lying on the floor and crito walks up to her and says you betrayed me and she's like at least they got away so they can destroy you and he says no they won't i know where they're going remember i saw it And then he swipes his hand and turns her into dust, so he kills Aunt Gail. And then police sirens are going off, and he leaves. R.I.P. to Gail. Um, I'm glad that she had a turnaround. It is unfortunate that he still has her soul, though, just for her to be young again. Even though she does redeem herself and kind of have this heroic moment, like, she still lost her soul because she gave that up already. Exactly. It only got to be young for like an hour at best. Literally, it wasn't even worth it. Like you would have lived longer if you just stayed old. Seriously. What a waste. How unfortunate. I hope that one hour of tricking other old people was worth your soul, Gail. I know. Kind of sad. Very sad. So then we're like outside by Gail's house and the sisters are all walking and Piper wants to leave. She says she's done demon hunting and Phoebe's like, If it's getting back our powers that you're worried about, I can do that. I have a spell that can do that. And Piper's like, I don't want my powers back. Phoebe's like, you don't mean that. She's like, don't I? I think it may be the solution to all my problems. And Prue says that she knows what she's going through. She's like, remember when Andy died, I didn't want to be a witch anymore either. And Piper says, this is different. Prue asks her how. She says, because not being a witch isn't a symptom of something else like it is for you, Prue. For me, it's the problem. It's the cause. It's the problem with everything. I just, I want a life that doesn't have a lot of death in it. I don't think that's too much to ask. And Phoebe tells her that she can't do this. And Piper says they all will sooner or later. She's just doing it first. And then she walks away and Phoebe and Prue just kind of look after her. So definitely can understand Piper's emotions here and her feeling that it is the cause of all her problems and kind of not just 
a symptom like it was for Prue, which we have seen these signs in Piper from the start. It seems like she's the only one who never really wanted this, never really agreed to this, and kind of just fell into it to back her sisters. Yeah, she's so, always the one most yeah. worried and most unhappy with being a witch, it seems. Like, there have been times where Piper seemed, like, into it, but we're definitely seeing that shift in her and I think the more and more magic affects her life the more that she wants to move away from it whereas Prue and Phoebe I think find a lot of their confidence and strength from being witches I don't think the same is true of Piper I think Piper wants to help her sisters but she doesn't have the same like drive for magic at least at this point that both of them seem to have Right, exactly. Everything that you're saying is exactly true, and it doesn't feel out of place, you know? I mean, this is something that we've been able to see in Piper from the very start, and now it's just kind of really affecting her enough where she's willing to stop completely. And like you said, we'll kind of see how and if that changes in Piper, and we'll have to keep an eye out on, um, how you know, how she ends up feeling about this, if that ever does change for her, if she ever does find that drive to be a witch or if maybe it changes for the other sisters and they all kind of feel that way the way that piper does Mm -hmm. because she does kind of make that comment right like we're all gonna feel this way sooner or later like i'm just the first one that doesn't want to be a witch i want to be normal right um and i'll also say that part of what i think could have gotten her to this point is her relationship with dan Because we saw at the beginning of season two, right, when Prue was like, I don't want to be a witch anymore. Piper was like, no, 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 like, we want to be witches. But here, I think after having this idea that she can never have a normal life, right? Because for her, she wanted to find a balance, I think. And that's why she wanted this normal relationship after her and Leo and all the struggles that magic caused them at the beginning of season two. I think stepping back into a magical relationship and... Losing a normal one is really pushing her to this, I don't want to be a witch anymore. Like, I want to find that balance in my life, and I don't think I can. Exactly. I don't think it's that she hates being a witch. I think it's that she wants to be more than just a witch. Yeah, she feels like it consumes her whole life. She thought, remember we saw for a minute when that, during the Cupid episode, how she felt, her and Prue were talking about how they felt like they were finally finding that balance and things were looking up and then it just kind of seemed to go downhill from there and Piper seems to feel like things don't stay that way for too long and I'm never going to be able to get it that way yeah exactly so now we are in the living room at Gail's house and Piper is dialing a number but Phoebe hangs it up and she's like Piper you can't do this it affects all of us Piper's like Phoebe I love you you're one of my two most favorite sisters but I don't want to give up having a life and she's like I'm not asking you to and Piper's like yes you are just by asking me to be a witch and Phoebe's like Piper you were born a witch it's not a choice it's a fact Piper says says who up until two years ago I didn't know I was born a witch and neither did you guys and we were perfectly happy then with perfectly normal lives I miss that don't you and Phoebe is looking away and she's like no and Prue's like yeah and they both look at her and Prue's like, well, sometimes, but look, I've accepted the fact that I can't just turn back the clock and pretend that it never happened, and neither can you. And 
Piper's like, I just don't want to end up like Aunt Gail, old and alone and wishing I was young again so I could do all the things I missed out on. And then Prue hugs her and she's like, we won't let that happen happen to you. And Phoebe joins in on the hug and she's like, just help us get our powers back, please. We can't do it without you. And Prue's like, we won't do it without you. And Piper kind of laughs. And then outside the house, we see Crito is standing there um, and he just looks super serious looking at the house. So, I mean, I guess I'll start by saying that, you know, the line where she's like, Phoebe, I love you. You're one of my two most favorite sisters really made me laugh. Yeah, me too. But on a more, you know, serious note, I think that the scene is really well put together. I like the conflict and I like the setup of Prue being the one in the middle, finding the balance. I feel like oftentimes we see kind of like Prue and Phoebe going at it and Piper playing that balanced middle role. Whereas here we're seeing Piper and Phoebe on very different sides of the spectrum and Prue having to play that middle sister role for once, which is a really interesting place for her character. And I also understand each of their perspectives. And I like that Prue is the balance here and that she's like, you know, yes, sometimes I do want a normal life, but I also know that now that I know about these things, now that I know I can help people, I can't just pretend that I can't, which I think makes perfect sense. Right, exactly. She is that commonality where I'm sure they they all have a little bit of both of those feelings, but Piper is more towards one end and Phoebe is a lot more towards the other too, while Prue kind of understands that exact middle place and kind of pulls them to a common ground. Yeah, exactly. And I also do understand what Piper's saying when she says, you know, I don't want to end up alone and wishing that I could do the things I've missed out on. I mean, not that I'm old by any means, but there are things where I look back sometimes and I'm like, wow, I wish I had done this when I had the opportunity. I think that's something we all face. And so I think that, you know, doing what's going to make you happy is important. So I understand why Piper thinks, you know, if I have a normal life and I don't miss out on the things I want, like a relationship, like a career, all of this, that magic sometimes tends to get in the way of for the girls. I think that it's reasonable and it's fair that she's saying this, even though I think at the end of the day, like Piper was always going to choose to stay a witch because at the end of the day, like her sisters, Piper is a hero. Piper does want to save people. Piper does want to help. But I think Piper also wants things for herself, which I don't think is wrong of her. No, and it's not even in a selfish way. I mean, after putting up with all of this, after dealing with this, after facing death, and after helping so many people, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, when am I going to get something out of this too? Not get something out of this, but you feel like, you know, I I deserve to have at least somewhat of a normal life, you know, like I can't live this way forever, which is a totally, completely reasonable thing to feel and understand. And I'm sure all of the sisters feel that way, or at least have somewhat of those emotions. And like you said, I, I never really doubted that Piper would stay a witch, because like you said, she does have that hero aspect. It's still in her. It's still who she is. Yeah. So it seems like here she is coming around to it by laughing at the end and I'm sure is going to help them get the powers back. And once we get to the final scene, we'll kind of be able to discuss a little more about what happened to Piper in that moment and what changed. Yeah, definitely. So then it's a little later and we're back in Gail's house and 
they have the potion in the basement and they're trying to figure out how to get Crito to come to them. And Piper doesn't get how they'll get him to drink it without their powers. And Prue says, we have to get him to use one of the powers he doesn't know how to use yet. And Piper's like, astral projection. Prue's like, exactly, if we can distract him long enough to be in two places at the same time. Phoebe says, we might be able to trick him into thinking that I'm still looking for the potion. And Piper says, I'm only doing this for you guys. And if I get killed, I'm going to haunt you both forever. They laugh and... They're both like, yeah, yeah, and then they get the spell out, and Crito calls from upstairs. He's like, anybody home? And they look at each other, and he says he knows where they are and starts heading for the basement. Then Phoebe walks out behind him and kicks him down the stairs. Piper and Prue push a shelf onto him, and Prue tells Phoebe to go get the potion. Crito sits up and yells no, and then throws Prue and Piper with Prue's power. And they go to different places, and Phoebe yells, I got it. And Prue's like, Phoebe's the potion. And she's like, start chanting the spell. And Prue's like, we need the potion first. She's like, just start, I've got a plan. And then Kratos looking back and forth, starting to get like really confused. And Piper and Prue start saying the spell, and he astral projects to where Phoebe is, and he's confused because he obviously didn't know about that power. She starts beating him up and Prue and Piper open his mouth of like his actual body and they pour the potion into it. Then he projects back into his body and wipes his mouth and sits up. Phoebe runs down the stairs and she joins her sisters to do the spell. Then we see the orbs come out of him and go back into them. And Piper says, want to see what does freeze and freezes him. Then Phoebe does the spell to vanquish him, and Kraito unfreezes and explodes. And Phoebe's like, ouch, that looked like it hurt. And Prue says, well, I hope so, for Aunt Gail's sake. And Piper says, and Helen and Amanda. So I thought this was a really good vanquish. I thought it was really smart how they kind of had this plan to trick him into using the power again in order to kind of get him to drink this potion and how it all worked out in the end. I feel like in the moment they're very good at coming up with plans like that which I think I've mentioned that before and the way they all kind of connected on it finished each other's sentences and all mutually kind of had the same idea like you see that connection in the sisters how it builds and how it's part of what makes them so strong I mean I feel like a lot of the time at the end of the day demons seem to think that their powers are what makes them so so powerful and that's why they want them so bad but we see time and time again that this connection that they have and this ability to come together and come to a solution is a big part of what makes the power of three so strong it's not just their magical powers yeah totally i think it's their ability to work together the way that they kind of are able to play off of each other and they really get where each other are coming from and they're able to fight together um, using each of their strengths to build into one unit, which, like you're saying, is really what the power of three is. It goes beyond their magical abilities and into their connection as sisters. Right, exactly. And that's something that where the demons kind of downfall on a lot, is thinking that once they get their powers, the sisters are kind of completely weakened and unable to do anything when they prove time and time again that their connection kind of gets them through things at the end of the day it's a major part of what makes them so strong yeah definitely 
So overall, I thought this was a good Vanquish. I thought it was smart. The plan worked for me and the Vanquish did as well. Yeah, I totally agree. So then we do a quick cut to the gas station where we see that the two guys in the convertible are old again. And so is Frank, who is that other older guy. I'm not sure why they're all still at the gas station. I'm not sure how the gas station is not covered and swarmed with police at this point because Gail died there and there's not a broken window anymore, but whatever. (laughs) Then it goes to the manor in the conservatory at night and the sisters are sitting at the table and Piper is all dressed up and opening a box and sees that it's new boots from, you know, Prue and Phoebe. And Prue's like, so Piper, Phoebe and I were kind of wondering. And Phoebe's like, because we want you to be happy. And Prue's like, very happy. And Phoebe's like, so we were wondering if um, we should be budgeting for more shoes or not. And Piper's like, well, I wish I could tell you getting my powers back made me appreciate what I lost. But I feel like I'm back where I started. I mean, I understand what you guys are saying and everything, but I can't change the way that I feel. And they both look down and then Phoebe looks at her and says really are quitting and Piper's like I want to for all the reasons we already talked about but I'm only going to do that if and when you guys want to also and they smile and Phoebe's like well I'm always going to want to be a witch and Piper rolls her eyes and Prue's like she's young and she's like oh give me a break and then they start like play fighting and having a good sisterly moment And Piper's like, all right, I have to go. And she leaves. And Phoebe's like, poor Dan. So do you think we should worry? And Prue's like, he'll be all right. And she's like, I mean about Piper quitting. Prue's like, maybe a little. And then um, Phoebe pulls out her glasses and puts them on. And Prue looks at her and is like, you little liar. You did go see the optometrist. And Phoebe's like, yeah, well, let's just say I'm not as concerned with my vanity anymore. And she puts them on. And they kind of just start laughing together. So again, very cute sisterly moment between them. We see that at the end of the day, nothing really changed for Piper. She still feels like she's in that position, although that could change throughout time. So like we said, we'll keep an eye on that. But um, it is respectable, the fact that she's willing to do this and kind of wait until her sisters are, are where she's at too. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Piper is someone who puts family first, so I'm not surprised that she ultimately came to the decision that, you know, if this is what her sisters still want, then she's willing to accept her destiny in order to give them theirs, Um, but that she does hope that one day they'll all be ready to kind of return to a normal life, and I think that that gives her kind of like hope for her future. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that she as much as she still feels this way, like she said, or like we had said before, she still is that person. She knows it's still part of her and she's not willing to kind of put that first. You know, she's she's more willing to put the innocence first and put her family first and what they want, which is another big quality in Piper. So then we move to our final scene of the episode. We're at P3 and the place is packed. We see that Piper and Dan are in the alcove and they're both sitting there and they're facing forward. She's like sipping a drink and it's obviously like awkward between them. Dan asks if she's hungry. She's like, no, unless you are. And then they look at each other and he says that he's fine. She looks down and Dan's like, what? And she's like, I was just thinking. 
it seems like just yesterday you moved in next door and we, you know, and he's like, Piper, you don't have to do this. And she looks at him. She's like, do what? He's like, go through this big explanation. I think I know what you wanted me to, wanted to talk to me about. And she looks down and he's like, you're breaking up with me, aren't you? Is it because of Leo? And he looks away and he's like, I'm sorry, it's really none of my business. And she looks at him and says, Dan, I will always love you. This doesn't change that. You've been really good to me and treated me incredibly well, but I need to try and make this work with Leo. And it may not, I don't know, but we've never really given it a shot and I want to, I have to, I'm so sorry. He says, you don't have to be, you're just being honest with me. He's like, we're still gonna be neighbors though, right? She says, we better be more than that. And he kisses her forehead and they both look super sad. And he's like, well, I guess I better go. And he does. And then we see Piper and she looks sad and then looks down and we stay with her for a while. And then the scene cuts out. What a tragic loss. I know. I feel so bad. He was so understanding though, too. Like, oh, man. Too understanding. Like, I don't think, I don't think that I'm strong enough to be that, like, calm about it, you know? I mean, I would have been, I probably would have been like, well, you know, I, I get it, I guess, but I wouldn't have, like, like, well, we can still be neighbors, right? Like, no, I would never. I'd be like, well, no, I'm gonna no, fucking no. leave then. Don't ever talk to me again. I'd be like, low-key, hope you die, but, like, I'm yeah, like, I know. I'd be like, I really hope this doesn't work out. <laughs> Like, I couldn't imagine being, like, the person, like, you decide to leave me, right? It's obviously for the person I've been worried about this whole time, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, like, I I don't think that I could ever do that, but good for Dan, you know? I mean, he's very, he's a very, he's a very good guy. So. It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. He is. He's the perfect guy. So I feel really bad. But it's and obvious. Like, I hated the Piper... line where he's like, it's really none of my business. No, it's literally your business right now. Yeah. No, I I would have been that way too. I would have been like, well, I feel like I deserve to know at the very least, like, is this why? You know, is it because of this person? Yeah, because it's not like, oh, like you guys weren't together. No, you guys were literally together and she made the decision to be with someone else. Like, you deserve to know that. 100%. It's really none of my business. Jesus Christ, Dan. I, I only wish that one day I could be that, like, understanding. Yeah. I feel like I try to be understanding like that, and, like, maybe sometimes, like, I pretend I am, but I'm not. Because, like, I'll be yeah, like, yeah, no. it's fine. But then in my head, I'm like, the fuck? Yeah, not actually. Would never actually. I feel like I, I'd act like it doesn't phase me too hard. Yeah. And then go home and like cry myself to sleep. Like, <laughs> no, literally. We know that Dan's about to go home and watch like a rom com marathon with some ice cream. Oh, yeah. No doubt. He's definitely be sad brutal. that Jenny's not there to hang out with him. Oh, having to go home by yourself after that? That's miserable. No, literally. He needs Poor to get guy. a cat. He does. He does need to get a cat. I know. Um, I know Piper feels really guilty and sad about this too because like she said she does love Dan she was happy with him and had a great experience but at the end of the day like she said she can't get Leo out of his mind it's not fair to either one of them yeah and needs to give it a shot 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of why she offers the explanation, right? When he's like, it's none of my business. She like, she has to tell him because for her, it's like, no, Dan deserves the whole truth. Um, so I get that too. And I get that that's her kind of trying to be a good person and still like give Dan what he deserves. And that's part of why she was so hung up on having this like real breakup, not doing it over the phone, not doing it rushed, like having the opportunity for them to have a conversation and just sit down together like this. Right. No, it's definitely very respectable how, how she handled the situation overall, you know? I mean, there's no really good way to go about something like this. And I feel like she did the best that she possibly could. Yeah, I totally agree. So it's goodbye, Dan. And we're on to the next. And we're going to see how things start working out with Leo. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see how they try to make this work. And if it does end up working or if maybe she goes back to Dan or what might happen in the future yeah no couldn't agree more I'm thinking the same things overall pretty good episode we definitely had some things that didn't add up some things that didn't really work too well but that you know overall I think it was a good episode not too much criticism it felt good to me yeah no I totally agree um I think the structure is good I think the pacing's good the storyline works for me and I enjoyed like the way we saw Phoebe and Piper struggling with different things in this episode. Um, I feel like we've had a couple of more Prusetric episodes recently. So it was nice to see the other two sisters getting the bigger storylines this episode. Yeah, I definitely agree. And with this whole Piper being kind of conflicted on whether or not she still wants to be a witch thing definitely something we'd have to keep an eye on and see if that continues in the future or if we kind of notice a subtle change in her yeah definitely and I will say it was nice to see Piper struggling with something that wasn't a man in this episode like that it was something else in her personality that was causing her to um, have a reaction basically Right, because it definitely felt like it, it's been more Dan and Leo, Dan and Leo for a long time now. And now it's finally kind of something else having to do with her. Although it does still involve that, but, you know. Yeah. We see more of Piper's deeper emotions aside from just relationship issues. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com and join us back next time for season two, episode 18, Chick Flick.